Hello and welcome to The Back Page, a video games podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined, as ever, by Matthew Castle. Hello! Matthew, how are you doing this week? This is the only episode we're making this month that's not a massive pain in the ass because we've got different guests coming on, so let's enjoy this <laughs> moment of respite. How are things going? Yeah, good. I've seen a Bond, which I liked, so I'm quite happy. That's good. That might date this episode a little bit, but um, but that's fine. People will still be watching No Time to Die, you know, three, four years from now when they discover uh, this oh, podcast. Yeah. After the end of the human race, but the Apple podcast um, page is still up. People are still listening to the back page to hear about <laughs> magazines from the late noughties. Um, so, yes. Yeah, I've not seen it yet, but I, I will see it. I'm, I'm basically weighing up. Do I go and see it in a cinema where um, posh people might give me coronavirus or where scuzzy students might give me coronavirus? Those are my two choices at stand. So, um, weighing that up in this newfangled world we live in. But... Um, where would you rank it next to the other Craig Bond films? I'd say actually probably alongside Casino Royale and Skyfall. Oh, okay. Right, right. Interesting. They're not my all-time favourite Bonds, but mm. much better than Spectre. Right, yeah. Well, that was a piece of shit, so yeah. Um, indulge me in this preamble then, Matthew. What what are your all-time favourite Bond films? Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. And I also like the big silly one, like Spy Loved Me. I like the Spy Loved Me. And yeah. I was looking on a bunch of lists this week, right? And people had it on like, the worst. I saw two lists that had it as Roger Moore's worst Bond film. And I thought, well, yeah. that is provably not true. Moonraker's definitely worse. But also, that's a fun film, right? Like That's like the that's like the campy action done well, I think. Maybe I'm just bringing that with me from childhood. But I like all that daft stuff. Maybe um, Sheriff John W. Pepper will make an appearance in Games Court this week, Matthew. But, um... Oh, God. No, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> okay so yes that's uh that's the preamble done with so when um, people can't complain we just spend the podcast um talking about bullshit but um hope you enjoy, <laughs> hope you enjoyed the casual chatter there but this episode we promised it a little bit a little while ago on twitter but we're going to be doing a listener edition of our bad ebay games court episodes which um probably our most self-indulgent format where i basically read out a bunch of games that I bought. Matthew decided whether they were bullshit or not, and whether I should be sentenced to death. I think the first one captured people's imaginations, but the second one people really got into. So I think now the idea that we can put our own listeners on trial is fun, Matthew. How are you feeling about that as the judge at the centre of this? Quite excited, because with you, there's a lot of games, so the outcome is, is, is quite murky. Here, a lot of their fates balance on a single game. So the drama of the court, which is obviously what the judge lives for, <laughs> uh, is, 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 is way more heightened. I'm pretty certain, like, we're going we're gonna to see some deaths today, which, you know... Some people are going to like that. You've got a bit of like um, sort of a, a BBC football common, like a pundit uh, vibes to that. I think we're going to see some deaths today. Like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite looking. Oh, forward I'd to love it. match of the day for like trials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a very good chance. I think we're uh, we're going to we're going to see a man die today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this has a potential to turn into a bloodbath unless. The court-appointed public defender can do something to help. So, let's just, let's just go uh, straight into it, Matthew. We're putting our listeners on trial. We're back in Matthew Castle's court. I don't know where this court is located. There's a lot to be excited about here. So, I, a previous defendant, have been impo- have been appointed on behalf of the Backpages listeners to defend them. A Jimmy McGill-style figure, a Saul Goodman-style, you know... Uh, cut price turns up in a shit car in a cheap suit lawyer i'm here to help our listeners uh to stop them from being executed by this um ruthless judge so as the judge matthew 
what is the threat of death this time? And who's in the courtroom, which always defines what these are. In the past, we've had, you know, the uh, tumbling monkeys from Rhythm Heaven. We've had um, Wario. We've had um, a, a Tetris block. We've had a poorly rendered Alien Queen and Ripley, Ellen Ripley. You know, uh, I think like a poorly rendered Chewbacca as well. Uh, some Pikmin in a coat. It's really just like... A who's who? <laughs> yeah, it's basically like Harvey Birdman, but um, <laughs> as like a, a, you know, a podcast. So who's... Uh, Who's in the court this time, Matthew? So Wario's back. Right. Um, but, oh, wait, hang on. I'm looking at him. No, this is Wario in quote marks. This is Wario from the upcoming Super Mario Brothers film. Uh, and so it's Wario in quote marks, and he's voiced by Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> okay, I see. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what happened to the real Wario in this situation. I thought he lived on this island, um, wherever this courtroom is. Um, but, maybe um, the real Wario will turn up too. I don't know how different Wario in quote marks is, but he's... Uh, I guess we'll find out. Would you like to do an impression of um, Dustin Hoffman's Wario for the podcast, Matthew? Uh, I'm Wario. <laughs> That's actually not too bad. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's all right. I mean, it's almost as if you've been practising before we recorded. I, I honestly haven't. I didn't predict that coming up. Um, okay. Technically, Wario, in quote marks, should be voiced by Chris Pratt, too. Yeah, you'd think so, right? Um, how cow cursed you know. can one film be? Uh, <laughs> we don't need we've to gotta, get into We've got to draw that. a line somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, oh, I can't be bothered to talk about Chris Pratt. So, yeah, let's move on to who else is in the courtroom, Matthew. We've got Sissel, who's the ghost the protagonist from ghost trick right uh, he's here and he's possessed a washing machine that's a bit odd <laughs> that is strange i mean see he's, he's rumbling away in the background it, it, uh, it's like it's almost like he went i know i can't get shu takumi in this courtroom so what's the closest like equivalent <laughs> i can get <laughs> what and the, and the best like the best i could come up with was a washing machine <laughs> <laughs> well yeah from one of his games yeah but um yeah we've got alan wake he's <laughs> here but i'm a bit worried that he's just trying to promote his remaster which comes out yeah it's like is he going to be monologuing during like the um during the the hearings will that be a problem <laughs> i mean i don't know <laughs> yeah I yeah. secretly hoped the next person would be put to death, but I <laughs> pretended that I was here for justice. Yeah. Um, I wrote it down in my book, and before I knew it, the person was dead. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, good. Poorly rendered Chewbacca's back. Master Terrace Kelsey. We've also got a uh, very poorly rendered Indiana Jones from the N64 Infernal Machine. Oh, okay, right. Should we we should address the um, results of the N sixty four draft, shouldn't we? Um, let's oh, uh, yeah. let's go, let's go through the um, who else is in the court, and then we'll do that. Uh, let's do well, that at the end. That's that's who I've got on my list at the moment. But you know, some other people may turn up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you won. Um, you won the vote, Matthew, for the N sixty four draft in um, a stunning blow against my terrible tactics for beating you. So, how are you feeling about that result? Yeah, okay. I I don't know if it was actually a victory for my games, or if it was just, like, a, a victory for decency. <laughs> I think that very much seemed to be... Uh, people were voting against the very idea of me, I think. Um, <laughs> which, you know, I guess I can't get too mad about. There were several aspects to it that I found a bit frustrating one was that people really do just pick one or two games they like and not the entire list and vote based on that yeah and like i you know i tweeted one listener who said that um oh i think um infernal machines are better pick than rogue squad you know so and i and it's like it took everything in my being not to go what the fuck are you talking about um and like <laughs> just kind of rein it in and i think like i sort of constantly had that frustration throughout and again underestimated just how much people like majora's mask you know and um also i think i underestimated super smash bros as a as a pick and i think that 
once I did the perfect dark golden eye thing to you, I felt like I couldn't call any of your picks bad because I felt so bad about doing that. Even though I was certain that Infernal Machine was a duff pick, but I kind of let you sell it as like a, a hidden gem. Um, my my favourite bit of Twitter interaction this last week, and I can't remember what the person said. <laughs> you replied quite tetrally with, "Oh, big Infernal, a big Infernal Machine guy, eh?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was me. Yeah, um, and that's where I was like. That's the true Samuel coming through in that tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the real the real petty me. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it was 51.9% to 48.1%. We had 459 votes. Like, that's a massive, like, that's like a, yeah. I, think, I, I think that's like 50% more than we had for the PS2 one. So I really appreciate people interacting th- with it. Th- that'd be a Brexit split, you know. <laughs> people could argue about that for years to come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see. The thing is, I do think I have the better list, just ever so slightly. I think your list actually does look better on paper than it maybe seemed in that podcast. But um, it's a bit like the, um, but it's a bit like the sort of uh, <laughs> the Kennedy Nixon um, election, where like people who watched it on TV said that Kennedy won, and people who listened to it on the radio said that Nixon won. It's like that, you know. It's like right. written down, written down. The result maybe reads differently. So. Interesting. Um, yeah, but no, I, I, honestly, so flattering to have so many people engage with it. Just like yeah. people just really got into it. And so, um, yeah, we have another draft coming uh, next month, Matthew. That's the GameCube versus Xbox draft. The actual mechanics of it, we haven't entirely figured out. I've got some ideas. I'm a bit wary of burning through two excellent consoles in a single podcast because those those consoles are definitely worth their own podcast. Mm. But we can um, we can litigate that off uh, off air and figure it out. So um, yes, thank you very much for voting on that, and we'll have more drafts soon. Me and Matthew have talked about doing a PS Vita draft for next year when that console turns ten years old. And also, um, we're gonna. I think we're gonna do a Wii one as well in 2022. So mm. people have those to look forward to. We'll just keep doing them till we run out of consoles we know about. Yeah, basically. Yeah, uh, people were asking for a Dreamcast one, Matthew, but we're not quite qualified for that, are we? Oh, I just don't have the knowledge. It would be like totally bogus. Yeah, it would just be picking games that have a reputation that I know about, you know, or like there's there's about five games, you know, like Crazy Taxi or Shenmue Two I've played, but I would like struggle beyond the very obvious ones so um yeah but um back to games court then matthew as i say i'm the public defender who's been appointed to um defend our listeners and i've prepared an opening statement if you'll allow me to read it i haven't told you how people are gonna die oh yeah that is more important let's go with that first because it's good to know what you're defending people against yeah basically if you're found guilty you get dunked into that big box of water from the film the prestige Right. And they close the lid on it, and Michael Caine sort of looks at you sadly while you drown. <laughs> okay, I really love that. Um, because, because then we end up with loads of boxes full of dead listeners. <laughs> <laughs> is it like... Um, we is it like them somewhere, I don't know where. Is it like the bit where Piper Parabo dies in that film, where like Michael Caine's just smashing it with an axe trying to get them out in front of an audience and that happens yeah, every single time he'd try and smash every box because after one or two boxes he'd probably realize he can't do it in yeah. time so he'd probably just give up and <laughs> sort of sit on a chair looking really sad um <laughs> so i don't know i i guess we'll see like how many people get put in a box because maybe he might not like 
He might free the first person in a box, yeah, but, but he's they... definitely going to weigh not around, I don't know, person four? <laughs> yeah. We have, um, I think we have 16 uh, different... Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no way Michael Caine is liberating all those people from a box of water. So, okay, good. That is a very inventive way of people dying. I would say that for the court, you know, if that happens 16 times in a row, that would be quite harrowing to watch um, 16 uh, young men die in uh, in water. Warrior in quote marks, he'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, good. All right, then. So my opening statement, I'm just going to like look around. I've got my suit on. I'm like, you know, messing with my tie a little bit. I stand is this, up. Is this what you're doing or what you're saying? Oh, right. <laughs> no, this isn't the statement. It's not started yet. You've got a bit Alan Wake on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not started yet. Sorry. Oh, okay. okay. Right. All right. So ladies and gentlemen of the court, Judge Matthew Carter was out for blood. The clients I represent today are all charged with making foolish purchases. And I, a man previously put on trial for this crime and held captive in this Colonel Kurt-style island compound, am here to tell you that they are innocent, maybe. I ask you, how can you trust the judgment of a man who thinks playing the Phoenix Wright games is a substitute for a law degree? How can you trust a man who let tumbling monkeys and the alien queen into his courtroom? And how can you trust a man who introduced a feature called Barrel Watch during official Xbox Magazine's redesign in 2016, (laughs) a feature that only talked about barrels and computer games? To this man, the law is just something he scribbled down during a tough deadline as a meatball fell out of his marinara sub. These people (laughs) deserve to make comforting, terrible games purchases during these end times for capitalism and the human race at large. And I am... (laughs) And I'm here to ensure that the fatality rate of my clients remains below 40%. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realise this episode was written by Aaron Sorkin. That's um, very flattering and insulting at the same time. So uh, well done there. That's good. Um, <laughs> I would also say that any defence attorney whose tactic is to smear the judge rather than protect the client, yeah. is, that's, that's quite a wild tactic. Yeah, it is a little bit. Um, Like, I'm going to make you, instead of, I'm not going to make you believe in my client, I'm going to make you question the law. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just because this is obviously, as identified by one of our listeners, is a kangaroo court, and it's, um, you know... The the you know the re- the regular law does not apply from any kind of civilized countries. This is like, you know, like your Colonel Kurt style sort of island nation where what you say goes. And um, you know, I-, I don't know how you got Michael Caine here. That I've got a lot of questions about that. I'll be honest, but um, <laughs> you know, hey, I guess maybe he doesn't have loads going on. He um, came with the boxes. <laughs> okay yeah so um yeah those uh, I, I did also wonder is it getting a bit personal when i mentioned a barrel watch and b a meatball falling out of a marinara sub felt weirdly personal in a way i can't really um i mean describe. that presents me as like some kind of oafish eater which i'm not <laughs> no you're fairly elegant i've seen it you know yeah i mean that's like i don't end every meal i don't need a bib you know <laughs> yeah yeah if you've ever seen like um matthew like eat a, a little cake it's art you know you're basically watching art happen <laughs> Um, he's very, very elegant. So, let's get straight to the um, the defendants then, Matthew. First of all, we've got quite a lot here from... Um, we're going to do them one by one, so they, they can present their own exhibits and we'll fire through them and then Matthew will decide whether Michael K will watch them drown or not and then we can enjoy that. So, yeah. James Morgan is first up. Evening, lads. Evening seems like a Whoa, bizarre. whoa, whoa. Your honour, please. <laughs> so, uh, so, I definitely fell into a hole of eBay and CEX collecting during lockdown. I absolutely cannot defend most of these, but I can at least try and offer insight into my thinking at the time. This is but a mere sprinkling of some of the tosh I bought in the last 18 months or so. 
oh god this guy's gonna die so much okay so uh, <laughs> honestly it's like it's a disaster but that's not him saying that this is this is me sometimes you gotta write off the ones who you know you can't save um so uh world snooker championship real oh <laughs> nine imagine if you heard your defense attorney <laughs> say that under his breath <laughs> Like, this guy's gonna die so much. <laughs> and uh, he means, I mean, don't worry about it. It gives him a thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so, yeah, World Sneaker Championship Real 09 on PS3 for £4.35. I've been playing a lot of the pool mini game in Yakuza 0, and it reminded me how much I'd loved playing snooker games on PS1 slash 2. Haven't played this yet. Fuck's sake. Again, that's me, the defendant. Um, The Sopranos Road to Respect, PS2, oh. 6.95. I love the show. The game is absolutely abject. Yep. Um, The Testimony, the tes- Testament of Sherlock Holmes on PS3, 11.95. This isn't quite as bad. I really enjoyed Crimes and Punishment, as recommended by Andy Kelly on your podcast, so I ended up buying all the other Frogwares Sherlock Holmes games, but they're all mm. much worse than Crimes and Punishment. That's right, that's correct. <laughs> Which I think we even said on that podcast, didn't we? The Best Detective Games one. That's yeah. Great. That was a great episode. We should try and get Andy back on. But um, Alpha Protocol, PS3, £3. I do love games that you can describe as interesting failures. This is the platonic ideal of an interesting failure. Amazing concept, basically unplayable. <laughs> We're like, um, I feel like we've probably disappointed a lot of the Alpha Protocol stands out there, Matthew, on this podcast. We've... Um, Show not much love for it. This this feels like a podcast that should like Alpha Protocol, but simply cannot. <laughs> yeah, that basically sums it up. <laughs> oh, amazing. Tough time for Obsidian. Okay. Um seven Premier Manager games. I sum these up, Matthew. They're all about th- they're all about three pounds each. Um I got this weird idea in my head I needed all of the Premier Manager games on PS2. Upon the menu screen of the first one loading up, I was immediately hit with a powerful memory of just how awful the series became. Upon the transition to PS2. Also, how annoying is it how they couldn't stick to one way of referring to the years in the titles? Um, yeah, you'd need to see them written down for that, but I assure you that his observation is astute. Um, John <laughs> w- Final one here, Matthew. John Woo presents Stranglehold PS3, £3.75. What if a game was just a Max Payne slowdown time mechanic, but not as high quality? So, as I say, I think this guy is doomed. Um, the seven Premier Manager games ensure that James Morgan probably needs to be executed, and I'm prepared to move on to my next client in order to defend them. But what does the judge think? Uh, I like Stranglehold. You went against the wisdom of this podcast, and you bought a Sherlock Holmes games that we told you was going to be bad. Sopranos, I mean, listen, let's let's get this guy in a box. <laughs> Would you not even allow Sopranos as a kind of curiosity purchase, Matthew? No. No, let's get him in the box. Okay, Michael Caine is currently sadly watching James Morgan die. Someone give Michael Caine a hanky. (laughs) Okay, Um, so that's one client dead. Good. Um, I think that uh, Stranglehold is is totally the sort of thing I would have bought in Games Court, actually. So uh, that one I do understand. If it was just Stranglehold, he would be uh, alive right now. There is something weirdly cursed about buying Alpha Protocol on PS3 as well, which I can't describe. (laughs) It's the combination of Alpha Protocol and PS3. That's like PS3 is the Alpha Protocol of consoles. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of is. That is how it's decreed on Castle Island. (laughs) Oh, we have a name for this nation, do we? Well, that's what I call it. Okay, you know, affectionately. Well, the um, the uh, main character in Alpha Protocol just stormed out the courtroom, but no one noticed because he looked so generic that um, <laughs> he could have been anyone. So, uh, yeah. Also, he glitched through the floor halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, this is a, a 
defendant number two is Chris Doherty. Um, fingers crossed you'll come out of this alive, Chris. So, this isn't a recent purchase, but I bought more. Again, defence attorney saying, fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> Absolutely that... the most cursed phrase you can hear in a courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a recent purchase, but I bought Mortal Kombat for the Amiga for the pricely, princely sum of 15 quid many moons ago. I don't own an Amiga. I have never owned an Amiga, and apparently <laughs> this version is pretty shit. But not as shit as the Master System or Game Boy versions. It actually says Game Boy, but we'll go with Game Boy. Um, so why did I buy it? It was in fairly good condition, and it had that sweet MK Dragon stencil set included. Please see Exhibit A of the stencil set included with the game. Pretty cool, right? Have mercy, Your Honour. So I sent you a picture of this, Matthew. Yeah. I do think the stencil set is pretty cool. I don't know if it's worth £15, personally. Again, I don't know why I'm saying this is a defense. I don't know if, like... Yeah, so you basically pay 15 quid for the for the privilege of being able to stencil the Mortal Kombat dragon head on yeah. basically anything you want. <laughs> yeah. That's... that Really, that's what you've put on the line here. That's what you... You're above a trapdoor. There's a big tank of water under you. And that's what you're saying. That's the case you're making... That stenciling is cool. Yeah. I'm not going to go into why. I hate stencils. Um, <laughs> were, you, were you wronged by a stencil once? No, um, I just find it very boring. It's not a, not a childhood activity I look back fondly on. Okay, yeah. Um, did, a, did a bully stencil something onto you, Matthew? Did, uh, did someone stencil the Mortal Kombat logo onto you as a small child? All over my face. Um, <laughs> it also explains who has been stenciling Mortal Kombat dragons all over Castle Island. <laughs> Finally, we can put that to rest. That's right, yeah. I'm afraid. Uh, I'm afraid it's in the tank. You go. Shit, that's too dead. Fuck. Ah, oh, that's rough. I'm gonna go outside for a cigarette. I don't understand buying games for machines you don't have. I don't think I've ever done that. That's baffling to me. I just don't believe in buying the game for the sake of having the game. It has to be playable. If anyone else has bought it and doesn't have the console, they are dying. No matter what the game. I, I don't think that happens again, but um, I can't say for sure. But uh, <laughs> well, yeah. okay. okay. Well, there you go. No, no, um, no uh, pardoning for stenciling. Then Chris Doherty is dead. Uh, Michael Caine again. Watching someone fetch Michael Caine a cup of tea. He's having a tough one already. Um, It'd be quite an artistic shot because you've got the body, and then there's also those stencils are kind of floating around him. <laughs> yeah, very evocative. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, I see. Maybe you could be the next Christopher Nolan Matthew with that kind of <laughs> artistic eye. Um, yeah, big Roger Deakins energy there. So, yeah. Okay, so third uh, defendant is Simon Thompson. Your Honour, Exhibit A, I write to you today to submit two pieces of evidence for your judgment. Back in 2007, I was 17 and went mad with power after getting a PayPal account. I bought a Metal Gear Solid Foxhound branded Zippo lighter posted direct from Hong Kong for the princely sum of £7 plus £3 postage and packaging. Around that time, I was obsessed with MGS3 and eagerly awaiting MGS4. I thought it would supplement the Foxhound fabric patch I also bought and had sewn onto my hoodie to make people think I was cool. Not knowing how Zippos work, or indeed people, I didn't appreciate that I needed to buy lighter fluid, which meant after the three-week delivery time, I had to wait another full week for that to arrive. I don't smoke, and so have never used it. It's currently (laughs) encased in a display cabinet, along with all the other crap I am too sentimental to let go of. The hoodie also gets brought out for festivals. I've sent Matthew photos of these things. Um, you don't need to see them. It's a picture of a lighter and it's a, a patch on a on a jacket. It's fine. Um, but I appreciate the uh, the illustration, Simon. So Exhibit B, I had never pre-ordered a game before. But in November 2020, bought a physical copy of a digital download of Cyberpunk 2077 using a 20% off voucher 
thinking that getting a £50 game for £37.56 would be the deal of the century and fill the void of a Christmas in lockdown. It has since sat on my shelf undownloaded while I wait for CD Projekt Red to finally finish patching it. It's currently £33.39 on GOG. In the end, I filled the void with cheese instead. <laughs> that's, um, on that on this podcast, that's what we often do, so you know that might work in your favour. Um, the, included good, the included goodies are still cool, though. Matthew, Simon there is putting like some merch on display. I mean, I would say that the lighter must be fake because it's so cheap. Um, and official Konami merchandise. I don't feel like they would make a Metal Gear Solid lighter an official one. So that's like bootleg mm. goods, which itself is a, an illegal act. Um, mm. But what do you make of buying Cyberpunk at a discount at launch combined with the merch? Did you see which platform it was? Uh, PC. On PC, it's... it's- I, I thought it was sort of fine at launch. You know, it was a bit busted, but I, I played it perfectly fine. Buying games at launch for cheap? Can you really punish that? I mean, I also bought Cyberpunk, so I feel like I can't judge that much, you know? I don't think buying Cyberpunk on PC is a killing offence. Buying it for cheap is just sensible. You know what? I don't really have a problem with the bootleg lighter either. I wouldn't use it myself, and I don't think I would stitch that patch onto onto my clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I don't know if I'd stitch any patch onto my clothes. And it's quite a cool bit of iconography. Maybe a talking point. Someone's like, were you in the army? And you say, no, I like Metal Gear. And then <laughs> that's a friendship right there. That's how our friendship started, I believe. That's yeah. how, that is exactly our origin story. <laughs> yeah, I think you're, I think you're, yeah, not guilty. Okay, well, there you go. That's two dead, uh, one still alive. Michael Caine gets a little break there, um, puts his axe down. It's fine. Um, so yep, Simon, you're still alive. I think that buying Cyberpunk was fine as well. I too wait for the day where it's kind of in perfect shape, but I don't know. For the four or five hours I played of it, I I, I enjoyed the the spectacle of it. I I can see it being a a, a good game one day, if not necessarily a great game. So um, hmm. yeah, cool. If you bought it pre owned on like Xbox One, then obviously you deserve everything you get. <laughs> good, good. But you're still alive, Simon. So don't worry. That's that's yeah. fine. So that's um, fine. Yeah, Simon also suggests a podcast idea that we do uh, Desert Island Disc for um, game soundtracks, Matthew. I don't feel like I've got loads that I can say articulate about games music, so I'm not necessarily sure. I'm not very good at talking about music. I love it, but I... I, I... Yeah, that's why you get those kind of, like, reviews on music sites that are just... um use such preposterous adjectives it's like oh it's a hit of licorice excitement i'm like what the fuck does that mean are they playing a trumpet just tell me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay good okay so fourth defendant is liam richardson he is uh, the meme king he has created memes for our podcast and is generally speaking a very nice boy but has posted cursed images of himself posed with sonic the hedgehog on twitter which gave me pause about follow continuing to follow him as you tell that, I'm, I'm beginning to hear a chant from the from the court very quietly in the background. Give him the tank. Give him the tank. Okay. Yeah. The, the court has already made its mind up. Let's hear his case. Morning both. Again, morning. I don't really know where that comes from. I mean, you know. Don't, I mean, t- it's the morning. Well, there is no, but there is no time on Castle Island. It's just oh, beyond course. time. I, I forgot that I abolished time. That was one of my weirder decrees. <laughs> Against my better judgment. I'm here to throw myself at the mercy of Judge Castle. Much like Sam, I've spent the majority of lockdown spending obscene amounts of money on copies of old games. Whoa, 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 whoa. I wouldn't say obscene. I was like, you know, I was just going through some stuff. 
Um, I mean, technically, we've decided. We've this court has decided it wasn't obscene. Yeah, hence why I can now be your uh, public defendant, <laughs> uh, Liam, in this uh, island beyond the concept of time itself. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've seen amounts of money on copies of old games I don't need in an effort to feel something. I think I just like it when the doorbell rings. I had a lot to choose from, but I've settled on the following. On the 14th of August, I bought a copy of Beautiful Joe on the GameCube for seventeen ninety nine. Seems fine, right? A good purchase? Old Liam lives to see another day. Thing is, it's the Japanese version. I don't have a Japanese GameCube. I have no intention of buying a Japanese GameCube. I cannot physically play this game. Uh-oh. I, <laughs> I bought it to look at it. I just like knowing it's on my shelf. I have brain worms. I also picked up a Japanese copy of Resident Evil Remake at the same time, but that's a different story. Bonus entry. It sounds like the same story to me. <laughs> yeah, and they I mean... both have the same very unhappy ending. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus entry. After an early episode of the pod, I rushed onto eBay to pick up a copy of Zack and Wiki on Wii. I got a great deal, 99p, but was devastated to realise when it arrived that it was a US copy of the game, so I can't play that either. This probably won't come as a surprise, but I love the podcast and I'm really happy to see it grow week on week. I think you've both offered some respite to a lot of people this year. Keep it up. Thanks, Liam. Oh. That's, oh, that's nice. such a that's such a sweet sentiment, which makes it so very difficult for me, <laughs> and yeah. so very sad for me that um, I am going to have to drown you. I'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> because I have explained already that buying something that you cannot play <laughs> is dumb in game court. Uh, can I, as as Liam's defence attorney, yeah. suggest that he go and buy one of those region free gamekeeper thingies? Um, because that would allow him to play Beautiful Joe on any GameCube that he has, unless he's playing on Wii, actually. That might not work. But if he's got a GameCube, then he could play Beautiful Joe using one of those. I think you can get them on eBay for fairly cheap. And then, So you're saying if he basically pledges to, to turn his life around? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like, we're sort of... You know, this is what Saul Goodman does, doesn't he? He's like, um, no, Your Honour, don't put them to death. How about you give them four months of, you know probation or whatever and then picking up litter by a so <laughs> by the interesting road. interesting so we're saying probation for liam richardson to get a game an import gamecube so that his crime is negated you know what i'm in a well i say i'm in a generous mood i mean i've already killed like two dudes today yeah i'll i'll accept okay that's good he was being lowered into the tank I, and i mean this for real if you don't buy one of those things and post proof of it on twitter we're going to revisit this and kill you in six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I can't remember what they're called, but yeah, you can get them. They're like, uh, they were made by one of those like Mad Cat style companies. You can put it into a UK GameCube and it'll let you play a Japanese game. So if you do that, Liam, you'll be spared. Um, again, okay, few. So that's kind of, that's that's two I've kind of won, Matthew, versus. Yeah. Yeah, versus two. That was, and that was, if I, that was some good lawyering. I like that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was about time I did some lawyering as their lawyer. Yeah, um, so did I. I mean. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was very generous of me. As we say that, we hear a big sigh of relief from under the courtroom from Michael Gain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all going on beneath, is it? Okay. Well, yeah, because they get dunked underneath. It's like the stage in the Prestige. We yeah. don't see Michael Gain. He's just down there. Oh, right, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. That... Every time I press the button, they disappear through the floor. We hear a bit of glugging, and then we hear a man go. Oh no! Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. But this time he was like, "Oh, phew." <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Um, at the risk of this podcast turning into like a gaming version of the trip, which is very, very possible given who we are, let's move on to the fifth defendant, who is Danny Mann. 
That's a great name. So, uh, not that that'll score any points with the judge, but I thought I'd point it out. Actually, it does score points with me. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Wow, this place really doesn't obey any uh, sort of rules. Um, So, hi, Backpage Pod. I stand before you today in court with a charge of a not of a bad decision, but of impatience. My eBay purchase isn't actually bad at all. Red Alert 2, Yuri's Revenge on PC. However, my real crime is actually one of impatience. I'd purchased the game on eBay originally. This is back in the days prior to PayPal. So after winning the eBay auction, my mum, I was only about 10 at the time, had to send off a check to the seller, wait for it to arrive to them, and then clear, and then wait for the, to post the game and it to arrive. All in all, this whole process could take some two to four weeks. About one week after sending the check, I happened to be in my local game store in Fairham. I think Samuel may know it. Yep, I literally bought um, Star Wars Battle for Naboo in that game in uh, Fairham um, when I saw it on sale for about £20 brand new. Even though £20 was a lot for a 10-year-old me back then, my impatience got the better of me and I bought it again, even knowing full well if i just wait another week or so, I'd be receiving another copy in the post. I'm not sure if impatience is something you can send someone to their death for, but I leave it up to the Honourable Judge Castle to decide. Yours impatiently, Danny Mann. What I will say, Matthew, is that you put me to death for buying a game. Well, no, you, you didn't put me to death, but you counted it against me when I bought Zone of the Enders 2, a game I already owned on another console. Yeah. So buying the same game twice historically yeah. doesn't go down well with this judge. Where are you at with it? Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I don't have any particular relationship with the individual game. Oh, Yuri's Revenge is so good. That's like peak Command and Conquer Red Alert 2, and that expansion was rad. So um, it was a good purchase. Yeah, my relationship with Command and Conquer begins and ends with Red Alert 1. To answer your question, yes, impatience is a crime on Castle Island. As Sam said, I don't look kindly on double purchasing. I mean, if anything, you disrespected the effort that your mum went through writing that check. Um, and I think um, I think we got ourselves a drowning. <laughs> okay, sorry about that, Danny. Um, but Yuri's Revenge... Oh, no. <laughs> that was from the floor. <laughs> it sounds a bit more like... Um, is it Kenneth Williams in Carry On? Um... <laughs> it's muffled by the wood. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's why it's a bit distorted, is it? Okay. That's how it sounds up here. Who knows how it sounds in the room? <laughs> it's not going bloody hell. It might not be doing that instead. Oh, oh not again. Okay, well, um, inexplicably... Um, Christian Bale has ran into the courtroom shouting, Angie's! And, uh, yeah, and so um, we had to take a brief recess there. We'll come back now. So, number six, Matthew, is uh, Tanner Hoisington. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Dear Honourable Judges, I had thought I would have nothing to present to the court as my odd game purchases have only been my triple order of Little King Story, Super Paper Mario, and Zack and Wicky a few months back. However... Yesterday I walked into GameStop to pick up Deathloop and, like a fool, bought NBA 2K21 for PS5 for 20 bucks new. I did this a week after this year's game came out and broke a six-year boycott of the series because their microtransactions are straight garbage, knowing that the rosters and stats will be outdated. Why did I do this? Because I'm a fan of one of the smaller teams, the New Orleans Pelicans, and it had our young star Zion as a cover athlete. This is a very American question, Matthew. Mm -hmm. I just need a couple more days to get my will in order before I face the game's court chair. Well, it's not a chair, I'm afraid. It's a tank. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, Matthew, NBA 2K21. God, basketball. Do we have an opinion on sports on this podcast? Not really. I thought those games, dodgy, you know, microtransactions and, like, in-game adverts and all that stuff aside, were meant to be, like, pretty amazing, right? They look amazing. They really do. And that PS5 version as well, that looked incredible, if I recall. I mean, a PS5 game for $20. Yeah, that is good. I mean, that's 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 kind of a find, I think, because yeah. PS5 games are the most overpriced games on the planet. You got a sentimental attachment to this. 
you're going to play it. You also mentioned that you bought some genuinely good games in the past on the Wii. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'm going to let this go, you know. Okay, good. What's, um, what is uh, Michael Caine said downstairs, Matthew? Oh, that's more like it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, a little bit more Barbara Windsor in that than Michael Caine. <laughs> it's the floorboards. Oh, thank God. There you go. Um, he's still in a room surrounded with the bodies of men <laughs> <laughs> floating eerily in tanks. Yeah, but he's used to that. Isn't that basically the whole deal with the Hugh Jackman character in um, The Prestige? Although he's not really involved in that, is he? That's like, No, he's uh... not. He would be disgusted by it. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, okay, good stuff. I'm actually really muddling up how The Prestige works. <laughs> yeah, I also feel like we're infringing on Joe's territory with the spicy Prestige memes a little bit. Just because yeah. that's such a good Instagram account. Um, very, very much recommend following that. There's some very good deep dive prestige jokes in that. But let's face it, it's just a funny film, isn't it? And yeah, um, yeah. okay, good. So, Sean Mitchison is defendant number seven. Hey guys, I recently picked up a Nintendo Wii having sold mine many years ago. I decided that I should pick up one again under the assumption that there will be a resurgence in the desire to experience motion controls again in around 20 years' time and the price of a Wii will skyrocket. Anyway... One of the first games I picked up for the console was Let's Tap, complete with original boxes. I paid the very reasonable price of £9.50 for it, which I thought was pretty good. But I guess the bad eBay games court will decide. Love the podcast. Um, That's from Sean. So, Matthew, this feels like an easy result to me. Um, You know, it's nice to have a defendant who's less likely to be executed in a tank. But where are you at with it? Yeah, I mean, I love Let's Tap. I've recommended it on this podcast before. I mean, with the original boxes, that's quite a quite a niche, interesting purchase. Yeah, I, I couldn't possibly send this to the tank. Okay, good. Well, it's great, a great purchase. Let's Tap. I okay. played it though. I hope you play it. Don't just keep hold of it. Otherwise, the um, box that Let's Tap came in will be filled with water, and you'll be drowned in it. Um, yeah. While Michael Caine watches, so um... that box shall become your coffin. <laughs> was that Michael Caine again, was it? Was... Uh, no, that was just me being dramatic. <laughs> oh, okay, I thought that was Michael Caine. That box will become your coffin. There you go. Oh, there you go. That's better. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? Okay. Um, that's... Alan Wake is nodding, impressed at your impression. Uh, he didn't understand what I said because of the accent, but he had a he, he thought <laughs> yeah. he, he thought it was good. From what he remembers of the Italian job, it's uh, it's good. I think that's like four survivors to three deaths so far, Matthew. Oh, this is not good. <laughs> yeah, the court wants more drama, basically. Wary in quote marks is getting antsy. And um, the door just flew open, and a, a, a coat walk, walked in, and then fell over, and then walked out again. I don't know what that was about but um yeah so unbelievable how dare they try (laughs) you're not a person i would slam my gavel in anger but unfortunately it's been possessed by sissel from ghost trick (laughs) so uh i can't use it anymore what happened to the washing machine is it just fell over it's just sitting there inanimate now just confusing (laughs) everyone (laughs) okay yeah what an inconvenience in the courtroom okay so um... we can push the washing machine down the hatch that we drop the bodies down (laughs) What happens then? What the washing machine gets like flooded? Um, what will Michael Caine think of that? Tank and confuses Michael Caine, but it'll wake him up. <laughs> okay, keep great. him on his toes. All right, good. Eighth defendant, then Ryan Cobain. Hello, gents. Hope all is well. I've got loads here, Matthew. If it's a long list, you read them out, and if we hit an instant death verdict, I'll call instant death. Oh, I, th- I think he's going to be pretty safe, to be honest. Let's see. Okay, so, well, let's see. Yeah, The Legend of Zelda Triforce Gold DS Lite for £135. That's a lot, but, you know. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe it's maybe that's a fancier one. That 
It's a bit rarer. I don't know. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, not dead. Good. That's an official stamp there. Not dead. Um, <laughs> the Legend of Zelda: Phantom Hourglass is seventeen ninety nine. That seems about right with where prices yeah, are. Yeah, that's fine. Games. That's a good game. WarioWare Ink Touch four pound eighty seven plus postage. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah. I would still recommend just getting the gold edition on three DS. But what can you do? Um, yeah. Uh, but doesn't have a 3DS as we've established, just a DS. So, right. uh, Metro Prime Hunters on Nintendo DS, ten pound one. Um, I'm not a fan, but I'm not going to kill you over it. Okay, all oh, this, all oh, this is precarious. Pokemon White Edition, thirty six pounds. This court doesn't look kindly on Pokemon, but what do you think, Matthew? Uh, I think that is actually quite a hard one to get hold of for cheap. Listen, I'm not, I'm not going to kill you over it, but like, if there's another Pokemon, you're in trouble. So next up is Animal Crossing Wild World for twelve pound fifty. So I think that's almost a killable offence because Animal Crossing... <laughs> You're his attorney! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but I'm just speaking objectively here. Like, <laughs> I think, like, you, if you, the Animal Crossing you buy should be the most recent one you can get. And, like, there's no reason to play an older one, I don't think. Not even if you have nostalgia value, because it literally is the same game, but upgraded with new stuff. So, I don't know, I would say the judge should maybe consider that one as a, a, an offence. But, um... Professor Layton in the Curious Village, £7.97. That's safe with this. That's classic. Professor Layton in the Lost Future, same amount. Oh, um, classic. Uh, Spectre's Call, £14.54. What the hell is that? Oh, that, no, that's another Professor Layton. Um, Professor oh, Layton. Spe- oh, sorry. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that one's that one's actually not very good. How mm. much was that? £14.54. Uh, okay, I'll let it, I'll let it go. All right, um, and Professor Layton the Pandora's Box, £15. Oh, yeah, that's great. Okay, so I made these purchases as I thought buying a DS would be great, a great addition to the games consoles I own in case of further lockdowns. I own a 3DS and new 3DS XL, but no longer owned a standard DS since the previous one died. I purchased a selection of games that I remembered owning or wanting to own as a child, hoping that the courts looked kindly on me. Okay, so I thought that was a dud idea, because if you already had a 3DS, but I forgot that the DS could play GBA games, couldn't it? So, um, I don't know, Matthew, maybe that changes your verdict a little bit. That Animal Crossing thing suddenly seems a lot worse. Yeah, because you've got a 3DS. Because you can't, you, you, you've confirmed that you do have the ability to play a better Animal Crossing Mm. Um, the other games are pretty good purchases though for me the most exciting bit of the pre-owned game scene is you buy a new bit of hardware that you don't have and then you build a collection instantly that's really exciting and it's quite Mm. hard to kill someone over that one of my favorite times is when i got the ps2 slim mini whatever the last version of the ps2 was and but building a ps2 collection in a pre-owned i have quite a lot of nostalgia for that period so can i execute him over animal crossing seems a bit churlish (laughs) I love churlish being the word you use there. Uh, so for ex- related to executions, I'll leave it to uh, I'll leave it to Wario to decide. Wario in quote marks. Uh, do you think we should let it go? No, no. Sorry, <laughs> uh, Dustin Hoffman has decreed it so into the tank. Oh, okay, right, okay. <laughs> Michael Caine's going bloody hell. Um, <laughs> okay, right. Bad impressions, games school. <laughs> yeah, these aren't even games characters. I mean, I suppose Wario is technically. But that's like four apiece, Matthew, so there's quite a lot of drama here. Um, that is a lot of DS games floating in that tank as well. That is four dead young men. Um, uh, if at, Michael Caine's got any sense, he'll fish him out, because there's some good games in there. <laughs> <laughs> I love the I, idea. That's the tragedy of this particular death. I mean, It's I that love... most of them were good. <laughs> I love that the, the, the defendants have to carry the games they brought with them. And then be drowned with them symbolically. <laughs> yeah. like, like, that's like a big part of the appeal for you, isn't it? Is 
the paraphernalia <laughs> floating around them as they die. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, there you go. <laughs> Michael K just go up. Oh, Professor Layton in the Lost Future. I love this one. And then, uh, yeah. Okay, good. Spectre's cool. Are you having a laugh? <laughs> Oh dear, what happened to this podcast, eh? We had Simon Parkin on last week. <laughs> Maybe, like, I feel subconsciously like I really need to lower the tone after such a highbrow episode. <laughs> it was a little bit, wasn't it? I tried to lower it at the time by asking Simon, are you a big rich guy now? But, um, yeah. Okay, good, yeah. <laughs> there you go, time to drag this podcast through the mud some more. So, defendant number nine, Simon Gill. Hi gents, love the show, it's absolutely cracking. While I'd like to dispute Matthew's legal qualifications, I respect his authority on matters of poor eBay purchasing and taste. Mm, <laughs> not, not so sure myself. I did make an eBay purchase. Driver won for PC last year, a £6.80 buy. It was a nostalgic heart purchase. I never got to play it back in 1980, sorry, 1998, thanks to a game-breaking bug, and fondly remember it getting some good write-ups at the time. This time around, I managed to get it working, but the first level was an absolute nightmare thanks to some terrible plot gubbins and awful controls. Gave it an hour or two, about the same time it took to get it working properly, and sadly deleted it. Yep, that sounds like every PC gaming experience that I've ever had. Um, Keep up the good work, (laughs) Simon. So, Driver, Matthew, very significant game at the time. Very beautiful looking game on PS1 at the time. Very exciting, very hard. And um, a series that kind of had a lot of ups and downs over the years. Do you have much attachment to that series? I, like many others, only really remember not being able to pass the driving test at the start that you had to do to play the game. One of the hardest tutorials of all time. Yeah. Simon, shall I hold this against Simon? Shall I hold the crimes of the driver tutorial team against Simon? <laughs> it's a weird purchase. I, mean, I was looking it up and it's not on Steam and I don't think it's on GOG either. So, I guess Right, that's... okay. I No, I think I think this is okay. I mean, I, I don't have a big attachment to the game. Lots of people do like it if they can get past that terrible tutorial you know it's an interesting kind of artifact from the past and like you say kind of hard to, to hold on to and you did try to play it you are saved from the tank there you go okay that's five still alive and four drowning with their their ds and ps2 games drowned um, they'd be drowned by now yeah, yeah sorry they are yeah um what's the michael kane verdict on this one jesus far i think he's having a nap okay fair enough yeah that's good for, he's playing it. Professor Layton in the Lost Future, which is just fished out. He's playing it on that that special edition Zelda DS. <laughs> good for him, yeah. It was a bit waterlogged, but he, um, oh, yeah, he used but... some rice to dry it out. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? You use wow. rice to, to he's dry offering it. life hacks from beneath the stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put a bit of rice in there and it'll be dry in no time. Um... <laughs> oh, thanks, Michael. <laughs> Oh, everyone everyone in the court is like nodding because they're like, oh, that's interesting. I feel like all my voices are like GTA London 1969 <laughs> uh, voice acting. Uh, you be the monkey, I'll be the cheese grater. That's the only line I remember from that game. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, this is Kevin Boland. That's defendant number 10, Matthew. We're over halfway mm-hmm. there. My conscience weighs on me. I feel compelled to turn myself in. Please, back page, cast your judgment on my being. I bought the GameCube Oddity Battalion Wars for $29.16, um, apparently £21.22. I bear with me a sickness that desires boxes and manuals whenever possible, so I surely could have gotten the game for less, though I do have quite a nice box and manual now for the game. That said, it's a game I only rented as a child and was put off at that time by having to mix strategy with real-time unit control, which my feeble little brain couldn't comprehend. Now I am much more adept and find the game to be 
uh, in quite a unique niche. The Jeeps in particular are especially fun to control. Last summer I replayed Advanced Wars 1 and 2, so this was the only logical next step. Well, there's also the DS ones you could have played there, Kevin, but um, I'll let that go as you're, you're returning. <laughs> I am currently locked into both the digital and physical edition of the Advanced Wars remakes uh, later this year. I don't see why you need both. That seems like a, a killer offence to me. Thanks for your <laughs> guidance, Kevin. Um, Matthew, these always struck me as kind of interesting games. They got sort of all right reviews, the Battalion Wars ones. Weren't they made in the UK? Yeah, made by Kuju, I believe. What do you make of these? Did you ever play them? Yeah, I played a bit of Battalion Wars 2 on the Wii. I don't like Battalion Wars. You're right, the mix of kind of strategy, but then you can also kind of do the on-foot stuff kind of sounds interesting but none of it particularly lands for me um i'm not a big advanced wars guy anyway but i can appreciate the elegance of it battalion wars always felt a bit clumsy a bit messy to me i don't really know what its position is in like the wider kind of nintendo community but this is not a series that ever seems to come up on best of lists or whatever i a firmly an interesting seven out of ten so um uh i am gonna uh, drop you in the tank. <laughs> okay, so does that make us five five? I think it Ooh, does. Hopefully, yeah, I think it's five five. So um, yeah, because of the Dustin Hoffman one. Um, so yeah, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's good. Um, so uh, defendant number eleven. Then um, we're at five five. So you know, it's uh, there's only uh, six more. So it's crucial that we get this. Um, we get some of these lads saved. I promise the forty percent fatality rate, and I will deliver it. <laughs> God damn it! Picture yourself. You go into court, you've got to pick a lawyer, you're looking at their websites, right. one of them promises a 40% fatality rate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think that's um, realistic on, in in this island beyond space and time, though, because, you know, the judge famously wants blood, like is baying, baying for blood. Are you arguing that in, in this island, 40% is actually, that's pretty good? It's not bad, you know. It's like it's not as bad as it sounds. Um, yeah, well, I'd got... just say like I'm not a marketing guy, but word to the wise, I'd describe it as a sixty percent success rate. Yeah, that's that's not, that's more of a like a, a Saul Goodman approach to it. I think. Yeah, I like <laughs> yeah. that. Okay, so um, high back page games pod um, super. It's not called that, but that's fine. Um, super short term, <laughs> <laughs> Mister Tank. Are you seriously going with that? I'll hear him out, but listen, it better be fucking good. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Super short-term listener here, so excuse me if I'm going over previously trodden ground, but these are my submissions to Games Core. Exhibit A, Epic Mickey Power of Illusion on the 3DS, purchased uh, for £3.60, the last and least of Dream Rift's short-lived but excellent run of games for the DS and 3DS, following 2008's hidden gem Henry Hatsworth, uh, where the team was under the EA banner, and 2011's Sublime Monster Tale, the platforming in this game is solid, with a fun but underutilised paint and thinner mechanic for manipulating the environment around you. The levels themselves are unfortunately pretty half-baked, with all but the final world being far too easy. Although new routes through old levels to find hidden characters do add a bit of needed challenge. I think you could make it as a freelancer, Will. These are these are pretty good, um, pretty good observations. Exhibit B. Uh, if you survive, that is, I should say. Um, <laughs> exhibit oh, B. Don't, don't don't offer him the carrot of future employment. <laughs> well, it'll give him hope as he's being drowned in the tank in front of Michael Caine, I think. Um, and that's uh, that's crucial. Um, exhibit B is Dylan's Dead Heat Breakers on the 3DS, purchased for £4.79. Uh, right, okay, so I know you probably bought that from Argos, because when I look at Argos 3DS games, that game is always fucking in there, and I've never once pulled the trigger on that, so... 
I, I you know, I, I shouldn't really weigh in here because I'm going for the 60% success rate thing slash 40% fatality rate. I would, um, I consider this a crime. By far, my favorite game in the Dylan's Rolling Western series. The action of real-time battles meshes super well with some perfectly balanced tower defense. Your character in the field, Dylan the Armadillo, that sounds like a game that's like, you know, he's got he's got to die, Matthew, is so much more precise with the button controls of this game than the stylus controls of past entries. And the addition of Anna Anmeal Anmimals to man the tur- turrets and control directly in a post-apocalyptic city is so fun. Just a fantastic fu- uh, time for both fans of um, for fans of both strategy and action, and it's still super cheap on eBay. Exhibit C appears too slim with two controllers, a memory card, and power pack for four pound from an Age UK 2017. Enough said. Fuck, that's a good purchase. I rest my case. Feel free to cut out as much or as little as my diatribe as you need for pacing. I wish I'd read that uh, before I planned for this podcast, Matthew, and read all that out. So, where are you at with um, with? Uh, I always called him Dylan, but that's the name of the game. I mean, Will. I think Dylan's the weak link here. I'm not a big fan of the whole Dylan's Rolling Western thing. It it really really leaves me cold. It's like a super weird bit of Nintendo. I think it's developed externally. I want to say Van Pool. I don't know. The PlayStation just feels like such a good purchase. It really does, yeah. It's tough to go against that. Yeah, I think that's too good a purchase. I mean, that Mickey game, I, I have vague memories of, of the th- of the 3DS one. I don't remember it being anything particularly special. It's like a bespoke 3DS game, though, that was separate to the... Yeah, yeah. but it was still just sort of simple 2D platformer. But the one that kind of evoked those... Um... Mega Drive games yeah. right, were quite that they were acclaimed and stuff. I'm not wild about Epic Mickey or Dylan, but I I think the PlayStation saved saved your life. Four pounds is really good. That's like yeah, that's, that's great. great. Yeah, I wish I had a PS2 again. I miss having a PS2. Um, so so yeah. yes, you shall live. Well then, it's six five in my favour. Maybe I will get this forty percent death rate after all. Next one's from Ian Livingston. Uh, Matthew, not the guy who founded Games Workshop. <laughs> it's very, very surprised if he listened <laughs> to this bullshit. Hello, Samuel and Matthew. Big fan of the show, a weekly highlight in the cycle of podcasts. My submission is Metroid Other M, which I purchased last month for £7 plus £1.83 delivery. Never played it at the time, but start, started getting on the Metroid Dread hype train and found a glowing review in an old Games TM that I kept. It got 9 out of 10. Fuck me, that's way too high. Uh, and I say that's a former editor of Games TM. Thanks for the hours <laughs> of free entertainment. It, it is really appreciated. So, Matthew... We talked a bit about Metroid Other M in our game Best Games of 2010 episode. Um, I think we came down on thinking it wasn't quite as bad as people said it was, right? I've got a secret soft spot for this. It's interesting, actually. I was, Rich Stanton was tweeting about this uh, just the other day, that it's a game that's kind of been defined by dumb memes, by people who haven't played it, probably. Like, they've just watched the shitty cutscenes, which are shit. The story in Other M is terrible. But an act- as an actual game... It's kind of interesting. It's got an interesting combat system that's based around evasive dodges that quickly power up your weapons. It's kind of a weird hybrid of the kind of 2D style and a 3D action game. It's very, very polished, you know, very slick, exciting monster animation. It may not be what a lot of people wanted from Metroid, but I think as a standalone thing, it's fine. And it's a game that's been defined by a couple of like dunk videos on Twitter and the day that we start listening to dunk videos and letting them design the conversation is a sad day indeed. By dunk videos, you don't mean young men being dunked in front of Michael Caine in a water tank, right? Uh, uh, no, I mean, well, that, well, listen, no, that's that's not a video. That's real. That's a dunk. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pro dunking. <laughs> don't yeah. get me wrong. 
<laughs> maybe the content could be filmed and like distributed afterwards so the court can make a bit of money back on the case um, yeah i mean that's an incredibly sinister side business uh, <laughs> even by this court's standards is, i don't yeah. know if i want to get into snuff films <laughs> with michael Caine weeping in the background <laughs> Um, I, I, I like other I think I need to stand up for it more I do like it like I reviewed this high I think I gave this like a high, high 80s in Endgamer I, I do like this game and it annoys me that the conversation is defined by just a few sort of sarcastic tweeters and YouTubers who just show the same cutscenes you don't play a game's cutscenes you don't play you know if you judge a game by its cutscenes you're you know you're fundamentally a dim person so um, yeah you are saved this is a good purchase yeah, that's a good price as well. I think seven quid. Yeah, that's all right. We the Wii market isn't quite as badly like hit by the massive upswing in retro prices as um, some of the other Nintendo hardware. So um, mm. yeah, I think I, I think this was I said on that podcast. I thought it's like an absolutely beautiful looking Wii game as well. N- Nintendo's just going to have to re-release this for its reputation to be reclaimed a little bit. I think Matthew. So um, whether yeah. it ever, whether it ever will or not is a is a mystery. Probably not. But um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that is uh, seven still alive, uh, five drowned in front of Michael Caine. So that's where we're at yeah, as we go into the final <laughs> final few here. This is uh, Jack McMahon is um, the 13th defendant. Your Honour, if it pleases the Games Court, I would like to represent myself in this here matter. Oh, okay, well then, you, you don't want my help at all, Jack. I mean, you know, now I wish you, that you drowned. Um, so <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen of the Games Court, I am but a simple country boy. But recent circumstances of employment have impressed upon me the need to move overseas. Modern aviation baggage requirements necessitated that I leave my PS4 behind in my home on the prairie, hoping one day to reunite with it. Unfortunately, my time in the big city has corrupted me with its materialistic ways and low morals, compelling me to make a purchase at the local games merchant, uh, game. And so, (laughs) on the 7th of June this year... I declare before God and man that I purchased both The Last of Us titles. I paid uh, them. Uh, quick side note, there is no God on Castle Island. <laughs> only uh, only man. Um, <laughs> only man. It's like a botched version of the Andrew Ryan thing. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the, it's, it's like idiot by a shot. There is no God on Matthew Castle Island, full stop. Only man, no full stop afterwards. Um, <laughs> Bio schlub. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I paid eight ninety nine for the PS4 remaster of Part 1, hereafter referred to as Exhibit A, and fourteen ninety nine for Part 2, Exhibit B, which I believe to be a fair price for new physical copies of these games. Consider also the esteem with which Exhibits A and B are held by members of the gaming community. There's quite a lot more here, Matthew. We'll just, let's, let's, just, uh, let's go straight to, to this bit, which says, Finally, Mr. Wario, if I'm fortunate enough to be spared on this, my day of reckoning, I hope you will not be too disappointed to give me your autograph, big fan. Well, if you survive, then um, Jack, then perhaps Wario can give you that. I leave it to the court to decide whether it has the jurisdiction to execute people for purchases not made on eBay, as I'd already finished writing this defence when I noticed that particular detail. I've now said my piece and must resign myself to my fate. So, Jack, the eBay thing is just um, uh, a name. Like, you can buy games from anywhere, so that doesn't count against you. But, Matthew, The Last of Us and Last of Us Part 2, these seem like good prices to me. I don't think this is particularly dramatic. What, what are think? the prices again? I must admit, when you've read the prices, I was still laughing at Bioschlub. <laughs> to yourself, off mic. <laughs> yes. Yeah, very good. Uh, great laughing at his own joke. What great podcasting. Uh, 8 99 for the first one. 
14.99 for part two so that's like less than 30 quid for both of those games those are good games that's that's a good price bit of a miserable time you're gonna have but you can't you can't really knock them you know i paid full whack for last of us two yeah why not sure that seems that seems decent yeah he also added a detail that um uh, he has bought the Skyward Sword remake as well, but didn't put that out for court because that was um, a brand new purchase. So that might work in his favour too. Um, Trying to sweeten the deal. Yep, because everyone knows that Matthew Castle famously likes um, Skyward Sword. So that famously. Makes... <laughs> well, it's come up on this podcast three times. Yeah, That's it has. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. I'm looking forward um, to... I'm afraid, uh... though, that you won't be getting Wario's uh, signature because Wario, in quote marks, he's actually been wheeled out on a hospital gurney um, he's fallen ill because, as we all know, Dustin Hoffman is an amazing method actor and ate so much garlic preparing for the role that he's fallen sick. <laughs> What's funny is that, that this ties in quite nicely to the moving out of the country into the big city thing, which has a big, big midnight cowboy uh, sort of vibe. From, yeah. Uh, so, like, uh, yeah, uh, Dustin Hoffman, just to kind of like complete the effect, is now coughing to death. Um, so that's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Jack can put his coat around him and they can uh, try and uh, move on to a better life. Defendant number 14. I'm looking forward to um, Bioschlub Infinite, by the way, Matthew. Um, you're, uh, <laughs> when you buy a, you build a city in the sky. Um, but um, yeah, but racism, maybe? I don't know. But um... <laughs> No, ideally not. <laughs> okay, there you go. That could be the, uh, the mantra when people arrive. Racism? Ideally not. And um, <laughs> Bioschlub Infinite. Okay, good. <laughs> Okay, 14th Defendant is uh, Hayes Red Mist, um, another of our uh, frequent um, listeners and correspondents. So, uh, Hayes Red Mist then says, I recently purchased for the princely sum of £5 a copy of Super Mario Maker on the Wii U. Not from eBay, but from someone I know. Shout out to Jamie at RGC if you're listening. Um, I don't think that um, Matthew Castle Island allows shout outs that may count against you. I've owned this game three separate times before due to a... a history of selling it on and regretting it, and in fact still don't have the latest purchase in my possession. It's at Jamie's house, but I somehow had to own it again for the remote possibility. I'll play it with the kids when they're old enough, and it's generally accepted that the Wii U version is better than the Switch one due to the second screen. Matthew, we've not really talked much about Super Mario Maker before, but I, I get that sense it's the sort of thing that you wouldn't be big on, because I think you said before you're not big into content creation games, you just like playing games. Is that where you're at? They make me feel very bad and lazy is the problem. Right. And I know everyone says these games exist to give you everyone else's content, so you don't have to feel bad and lazy. But mm. fundamentally, the purpose of the thing is to is to make something and and feel cool about that. And I have... I'm just not very kind of creative in that sense. I'm not a secret level designer waiting to happen, I don't think. It's really elegantly made, you know, and I've you know, I've played I've played with it and you know, enough to know that it's uh, you know, a superb piece of kit and designed very cleverly to let you build compelling levels. Uh, but it does have that fundamental flaw of I just don't have the desire to make those things. It's what like dooms Little Big Planet, Dreams to an extent. I mean, you know, they're things I admire. They're just not things I personally want to play and be reminded of how much better my peers are. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. But that maybe says more about me. Uh, the one exception is WarioWare DIY because I think the nature of that, the length of the games, how throwaway and kind of rough they are, actually does fit my tastes. Even I can come up with three seconds of content. Well, there you go, um, uh, Hayes Red. But Mist. this isn't about WarioWare. No, if you'd have picked WarioWare, you wouldn't be drowning right now. Is, is this it... is this is this also buy it, get rid of it, buy it, get rid of it. I find that quite wearying. I swear I've punished you for this in the past. I think so. Yeah, I think that's both you 
Um, and unfortunately, it's wherever the game resides, they're also guilty. So it's your friend Jamie as well. <laughs> Both at the same time. You can choose the same tank or different tanks. <laughs> uh, would it? Would they both fit in the same tank? It, it was a bit of a tight squeeze, I think. To be honest, that's the least of your worries with that tank. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. So, um... It'll wake old Kane up, though. <laughs> Bloody hell, there's two of them this time. <laughs> um, there you go. All right, so, uh, okay, that's like eight to six, Matthew. So, actually, like, um, I'm not going to lose this, but, you know, it could be 50-50. It could be a tie, so... Um... So, at, at the very least, you'll have to rewrite your website... <laughs> Yeah, I still have, you know, I still have six dead bodies on my hand, which is, wait, no, seven dead bodies, technically, when you throw Jamie in. Eight, if we include uh, Dustin Hoffman, who I <laughs> regret to tell the court, he has died. That's uh, that's bleak, let's move on. Um, so, uh, penultimate one here, this is from Ben, 15th defendant. To the good people of the court, I present my own bad eBay games purchase a few weeks prior to the start of the first lockdown in 2020. I managed to buy a GBA SP through Facebook Market for just £30 and a nice electric blue and absolute steel compared to current prices. Needing some games to play on my new um, brackets old system, I went to eBay to grab some GBA classics where I found a double pack of uh, A Link to the Past and Four Swords for just £14, bargain bin prices. I th- um, or so I thought as I jumped on the deal. A week later, when my games finally arrived, I was slightly disappointed to find that the listing must have been wrong. It wasn't a link to the past I was getting, but rather The Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap. Judging by the quality of the cart and the very obviously home-printed label, I'm guessing the seller could have put any GBA game they wanted on there. But there I was with a fake version of not The Legend of Zelda a game I wanted. I'd certainly been had. <laughs> the Minish Cap is still a good game, though. There we go, Matthew, a bootleg purchase there. I think the GBA SP, that's a great price for that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what the state of batteries is like on a on a console that old that's got a rechargeable yeah, battery. Yeah, I don't really know. Buying a fake game, I feel like that price was probably a bit too good to be true, and, and clearly it was. Um, where are you at with that? Yeah, I'd rather have the Minish Cap than Link to the Past, though, as already explained on the, uh, on the Zelda podcast. Yeah, a, a beautiful-looking Zelda game. If I punish... If I punish them, this could be like a warning about the perils of buying bootleg GBA games. To the youth of Matthew Castle Island. I mean, they can't buy stuff online because uh, I don't let anyone have the internet here. <laughs> <laughs> That's how They've otherwise, like otherwise big they'll find North Korea vibes. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, they'll find out you're on Interpol's most wanted list. And um, like, yeah, well, I don't want anyone finding out what the time is. <laughs> A watch is not allowed either. Then was there like a kind of like a, a, a watch armistice? Like everyone had to surrender their watches at the border, basically. Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm, I'm tickled at the idea of my own nightmare society. North Korea, but Dustin Hoffman's there dressed as Wario. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing with our lives? What is this podcast? What are we making, Matthew? This is terrible. This is the end of this podcast. We'll, we'll just get like a credible games media guest to come on and bail us out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And balance it out a little bit. So, back to the... <laughs> Minish Cap. I'm, I'm going to let this go because I like Minish Cap. Okay, even though it's fake, you know. Fake Minish Cap is still better than real Link to the Past. Well, I mean, that's just not true, is it? But, I mean, I appreciate the, the preposterous uh, take on <laughs> this scenario. It's Listen, it's my court. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, if you you come to the Matthew Castle's court, you play by his rules, and you can never leave or know the time. Also, are you really arguing against me saving your client? You are the worst defence attorney <laughs> I've ever met. Look, I just believe in real justice, okay? And however we get there, that's whatever it takes, Matthew. I'm prepared to go there. That's actually, like, very ace attorney of you. The, the role of the court is to get to the truth. Um, no matter who does it. Uh, much like you, I've learned everything I know about the law I've learned from Ace Attorney. You've successfully saved another client. Congrats. Thank you. Um, so we've reached a final client. So before I get to my bad purchase, I just want to say I really love the podcast. It's a highlight of my week. Thank you. Mike is the 16th and final defendant. Oh, it's a good one to end with, Matthew. I once bought 50 cent bulletproof on PS3 for from eBay for 11 pounds a friend once bought me blood on the sand as a gag christmas gift it was a risible terrible game but at the time i was, I was trying to build a physical collection of ps3 games and it annoyed the ever-loving piss out of me that i had half of the series i bought bulletproof to complete the series never opened the case i just put it on my shelf and let and let my ocd breathe a sigh of relief um so i don't think bulletproof was actually released on ps3 so i think that might mean ps2 basically people who don't know for some reason because it was the mid noughties there was a 50 cent game there was a video game based on him that was complete shit. And then there was a much better video game that was made by a UK-based studio um, in the Unreal Engine and actually looked pretty good. That spawned the, um, where the fuck is my skull meme or whatever it was, because he's looking <laughs> for a skull with diamonds on it in, in the game. But it was actually a fairly solid shooter and had a bit of a better tone than that first one. Um, so that's a little bit of an overview of the 50 cent games matthew did you ever play through these they don't feel like they're your sort of energy no i i'm shamefully i I'm, i've lived them entirely through other people a bit like other people have with other m so i only know them as the memes um my read was that blood on the sand was yeah was the okay one you know it's a bit kind of ironically sort of shit but that the original is actually quite charmless and bad that did lead also to the excellent Charlie Brooker joke, Noam Chomsky, Blood on the Sand. That was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so um, yes, Blood on the Sand there. So where, where, what's the, what does the judge think? Is there, there's got, you've got one bad game there because they're not actually putting Blood on the Sand on trial. No, that's it. That's, that's the problem. They're, they're putting the bad, charmless one. Yeah. That's got to be worth a dunking. I think so, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Mike. <laughs> I like that we're in agreement. Thank you, counsel. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, of, you know, I've, I've, I've hit. I think I've hit my forty percent target. So you know, <laughs> so now you can just that. Oh, you're done, are you? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's a tough break. So yeah. Um. So <laughs> what's going to happen here is Mike will be drowned with um fifty cent bulletproof, but I will take his copy of Blood on the Sand home with me. That's like my uh, a treat for myself, and I'll go play that <laughs> on my Xbox Two Sixty. So um, surely you're no win, no fee. When you go to that section of my website, it just says TBA. Um, this is the page. It's no win. I take your stuff. Because <laughs> it's not like you need it. It's like Lionel Hearts. There's a lot of different commas in there and exclamation marks. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yes, good. Um, so let's just total that up, Matthew. Uh, I believe it's uh, nine, nine surviving to seven deaths. So I actually haven't hit my quota, but you know I got close enough. Which uh, again, if you look at like the terms and conditions on my site, it says. Um, or as close as possible to 40% <laughs> oh, right. fatality rate. So, you know, it's, it does say it. So we've got to, we've got to, you know, recognize that. Does the judge have any closing statements to make about the, um, the accused and uh, the seven drowned young men? I, I feel like this was pretty fair this time. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like we all know why they died. Um, <laughs> we've got them in the tanks with their crimes so that, you know, we can put them in a public place for everyone to see them and 
like understand what they did wrong. Yeah. I'm sorry to have put Michael Caine through that. I don't really know what your role in in this is, to be honest. You just sit there, I guess. Um, but I'm sorry to have traumatised you. Yeah. Um, I'm announcing a day of mourning for Dustin Hoffman. Right. But I, I th- otherwise, I think this was pretty successful. I think justice was served. I've given my people what they want. So that's another few months of peace on Castle Island. <laughs> another few months where they won't question why they can't uh, go on the internet or, or indeed know the time. If I was there, I'd consider going to... Um... Uh, uh, South Matthew Castle Island, which is actually like a liberal paradise um, with a lot of good makes pop- has got a great film scene. <laughs> yeah, well. a lot of good pop music as well. Yeah, I would. Uh... <laughs> and, the, and the hit number one show on Netflix at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh, sorry. I mean, there's no such thing as Netflix people of Castle Island. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. Yeah. Next. <laughs> Okay, so, um, yeah, I mean, the the role of Michael Caine in this was to basically, like, um, underline the prestige reference of the prop. Otherwise, it's just men being drowned. But when you add that, <laughs> it gives it gives it a little bit of pop culture colour, I think, that's incredibly yeah. valuable. Um, I just want to point out for legal purposes, um, as a qualified lawyer in this um, kangaroo court, that uh, Dustin Hoffman, the real Dustin Hoffman, is alive and well. So um, just in case this is used as like a primary news source for um, him being dead, dressed as Wario and smelling of garlic, I just want to make it clear that that never happened. Um, just for the uh, sanctity of this podcast and to not get us thrown off of Apple Podcasts. So um yeah, any, any closing <laughs> thoughts, Matthew? I find it very endearing that you are generally concerned about the Dustin Hoffman thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just got to be careful, you know. Um, yeah, dot all your I's, cross all your T's, etc. Well, game, Games Court is over. They all filter out a badly rendered Chewbacca and badly rendered Indiana Jones are catching up because they're old friends. They've obviously worked together before. <laughs> um, yeah, this has the potential to be our worst podcast yet, or our best I think it'll all happen in the edit, basically. And then, like, (laughs) at the other side, people will know if magic happened or something terrible (laughs) happened. Um, (laughs) Side note, it is quite funny to think about the prospect that we built a whole concept around drowning our own listeners. Like, does any other podcast give you that each week? I mean... I mean, that is, like, This American Life's whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, I believe so. So, Matthew, to close out, we have about three listener questions here. Let's kick off with this one from Chris Doherty, who... uh, Was Chris drowned? I don't remember, but um, Chris was certainly... I don't remember their names. It's how I sleep at night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, either way, if this is from beyond the grave, then so be it. Um, greetings, you two. I'll ask a sensible question this time. You've spoken about your console gaming experiences, uh, but what about your time at the arcades? Did you slash do, do you often visit arcades on holidays? What games would you play first with the limited pocket change you were given as a nipper? And what are your all-time favourites? Does Bath have any decent arcades that you, there that you visit? Oh, I, I fucking wish. Jesus. Bath barely has a supermarket. I mean, ugh. Um, Bournemouth used to have some decent arcades along the seafront and on the pier that I would visit often as a kid as well. Sadly, the Sega worlds I frequent here in Japan pale in comparison to the ones of yesteryear. They're usually just all filled with those crap claw games and horse racing betting machines, mostly with a spattering of uh, fighting games and some obscure card-based RTS games. Super lame. Thanks as always, Chris Doherty. So that's arcade games, Matthew. Do you have any all-time favourites? I mean, I must admit, I don't have a huge history with arcades because I guess the kind of places we went to didn't have them. When you're a kid, arcades seem like very expensive and if you've got sort of parents who aren't massively into games they're not willing to give you money to just throw away on like 20 seconds of being very bad at a 
Jurassic Park Light World game. That, you know, my experience of arcades as a kid was like occasionally getting to play one at a bowling alley on a friend's birthday party. Right. You know, I have some strong thoughts on this one, Matthew. I was a massive fan of the Star Wars trilogy arcade uh, machine, not the one that originally existed in the 80s i think but there was one that was made in the um the 90s by sega do you ever play that one i thought it was pretty uh, good. i've not played it but i know the one you're talking about yeah oh yeah that's really good that lets you that basically lets you fire through the major set pieces from the different um the different ones so have any come to mind matthew from for for you from recalling yeah i you know definitely you know, they're mostly all light gun games like the jurassic park one where you're in the Jeep and the T-Rex is chasing you, that stays in my head as a memory. It's a good camera. To be honest, I, I, like my big arcade memory was we used to go on holiday to Southworld every year on the coast over in the, the southeast. And uh, Southworld Pier had an arcade, and I that was mostly like the horse racing game where you bet like 2p and those kind of uh, coin drop machines but i remember my dad playing the star trek the next generation pinball machine a lot i like pin- pinball machines an awful lot oh that pinball um, machine was rad actually that was really good yeah i mean, they were yeah there was just that era of 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 like licensed machines that just had so much fun with the you know the license and the sound clips and the kind of the the, the law that they took and kind of managed to squeeze into every machine was always super impressive and Kitsy, who I used to work with on uh, Endgame magazine, owned an uh, Adams Family pinball machine, which I always thought the sound of that, you know, the idea of owning one of those things is amazing because mm. there's just so much to them. You, you know, you know that that you know, if I had a bigger house, I would. That, that, that's something uh, I would love to own one day. That's so uh, like a pre-millennial uh, story. That is, I own a, <laughs> I have the space and own an arcade machine. You know what I mean? Like, in a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, in a large enough property to. A, facilitated um, yeah. our, our common room at university had a um a medieval madness pinball machine which is mm. quite a quite a famous machine it's got sound clips from tina fey weirdly it had oh. a cast list on it um i think a very young tina fey supplied some of the the squawking sound bites for um, it nice um, you you make that money tina whatever you got to do to get 30 <laughs> rock off the ground yeah <laughs> pinball voiceover artist <laughs> how are you at saying multi-ball <laughs> things like that yeah i wish i'd played them more because it i have some peers who did have the arcade culture in their childhood a bit more and it allows them to speak a bit more elegantly on certain things or appreciate certain things but you know i no, i definitely dig it i just sort of dig it from afar yeah i did grow up in coastal towns and you know arcades are it's a really an uphill battle to to find an arcade culture in the UK that just isn't much of it at all. And then what was there has just obviously ebbed away as arcade culture has everywhere. But um, in Gunwolf Keys in Portsmouth, where um, weirdly where Silent Hill Shattered Memories was made, there was an arcade in their bowling alley there that had a police 24-7 machine, which um, is the one where you have to dodge the bullets that are coming towards you. Oh, okay. Um, so you actually... <laughs> the, I remember there's a little notice on it that said, don't wear a hat or the sensors won't work, which I thought was quite funny. But um, that was cool. They had um, Crazy Taxi as well. They also had, I think it was House of the Dead 2 or 3, whichever the most recent one was then. It was the one, I think, that had shotguns that you could um, reload. That was really rad. They had the Star Wars... A racer arcade machine which wasn't that good all of these were extremely expensive because it was like a new development so like 50p or a quid that's another massive barrier to playing these obviously yeah and other ones like my parents actually um live in one of these like devon 
towns that have little arcades and their arcade is a bit rubbish but it does have a crazy taxi machine in there uh, the frame rate is really bad on it um i don't i don't know why <laughs> that's kind of a bummer it's the thing where you put 50p in to play it and you're like i could literally download this game on my ipad it would run better <laughs> and like and it's free so yeah there's uh that's tough but you know i always found you know as a kid going to these places that they scared me a bit, and the, 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 the you know the noise and the lights of the machine and everything. The, the thing that used to sort of freak me out was the idea of it drawing loads of attention to me. Like I was too shy to play arcade machines, yeah. which may sound really dumb, but like when because when someone actually puts money into these things, people are bound to come and look because they just want to see someone playing it. And then you've got like performance anxiety because you don't want to be like absolutely tanking at this arcade machine, but it's so loud and everyone is naturally drawn to it. That used to stress me out a lot. Yeah, my first experience of of, uh, embarrassing myself in front of a girl happened with um i have a whole arc with star wars trilogy arcade machine actually which is <laughs> i was on a PO ferry on a school trip in year seven and i was walking around this ferry with this girl all day we stopped at the arcade and we watched this guy finish star wars trilogy arcade with one credit like he did the entire thing and then i stepped up and it was my turn and i, I died in the battle of yavin within about 20 seconds and it was like <laughs> quite humiliating and then um Years later, in, I think it was 2016, when my parents moved to this town, I went to Torquay and basically spent eight quid finishing the game. And like, I I was like, so like, I'm an adult, I've got disposable income, I'm going to fucking complete my like arc with this game and um, <laughs> and beat it. And uh, I did, I blasted through it and I, I defeated Darth Vader in the little bonus lightsaber battle thing too. That felt pretty good. So um, that game is so, so good. I love that game. But, um, Did you ring up the, the the girl from your childhood to tell her what you finally achieved? <laughs> yeah, I was like, Stephanie, I did it. And uh, she, she's like, Samuel, I've not heard from you in 15 years. Like, what the fuck? Um, yeah. Oh, it, I can just imagine how awkward that the rest of that ferry trip was, where she's like, oh, God, I can't believe you yavined it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit like that. But the thing is, why do I remember that, Matthew? It was so many years ago, but I do. Oh, yeah. dear. These um, formative experiences, they sky you for life. <laughs> but I, I actually i really love arcade games i've got a couple more to mention so um i've mentioned the las vegas arcade in soho in london that rules it's got that mario kart machine which is you know basically the worst version of mario kart you can play apart from the wii one but it's um really nice to just sit in it because you and uh, another player i think one player operates a turret on the back of the cart while one player is driving i think that's um I think that's how it works as a kind of co-op experience and me and my girlfriend did that a couple of years ago that was really fun um taiko no tatsujin obviously a really obvious one but you know whenever hmm. you find a machine of that that's just a great experience isn't it and i played the rhythm heaven game there as well i think they had a bishy bashy uh, machine of some kind too that was imported from japan so that arcade absolutely rules you should totally go there if you get a chance all right next question do you want to read out the next one matthew indulge me as i potentially open up a can of worms Having once worked in Bath for the better part of a year, it might surprise you to hear that I've never tasted the meat-drenched joys of JC's Kitchen. However, one independent food outlet I became quite fond of whilst there was Chai Walla. The onion bhaji wrap is legendary to me now, and I don't think I've tasted a better brand of Indian street food anywhere else. Have either of you been to Chai Walla? If so, what do you think? The main guy there is a super nice dude, um, enough that I always felt bad when not grabbing the offered soft drink in addition to my usual wrap. Keep up the great musings, Aaron Potter. It's time for the, the podcast where we do a, uh, a lunchtime food deep dive in Bath. Yep. Thoughts on Chaiwala, Matthew? Uh, I like Chaiwala very much. 
yeah, it, it basically does yeah, onion bargy wraps or falafel wraps, I think. Yeah. It's quite a small little store, but there's always a massive queue, which is a good sign. Crunchy salad, a bit of mango chutney, some oh. other mysterious sauces. I think it's like hummus and chutney mostly, yeah. 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 Tamarind. <laughs> Okay, I like that you remember that. Well done. Whatever that is. Is that the powdery stuff that... I don't know. I don't know what that is, but it's in there. We're very very culturally up on our... uh, Yeah, we like like a chai walla. It's very nice. Very, very filling. Good samosas. Excellent samosas. In fact, I'd say the samosas are the best bit there. I think Bath's pretty good for food, given that it's not what you would think of as like a, you know, particularly cosmopolitan or international city. (laughs) Um, It's got some surprisingly... Some surprisingly good regional food offerings. Yeah, I think Bath is uh, is great for food. It's like um, considering it's it's a very small city, really. But the you know the great number of great restaurants per you know square mile. I mean, there's probably about ten ten places I really love in Bath, then like a second tier of places that are like just okay, and then mm. there's like the the death tier of like tapas naff tapas places in um, Southgate <laughs> that I think are a complete fucking write off. So you know it's a, a bit of a toss up <laughs> there. I think um, Chaiwala is excellent. I wish he took card payments. He still doesn't. Um, even though if you go on to like Just Eat, you can go order it on there with your card. I don't understand how that works. That kind of bothers me. <laughs> Everything else about it, I love. Uh, the dude oh, is... sorry, I, think I should I should have clarified. This is the bit of the podcast where we do a deep dive into a local bath eatery and criticise some of their business practices. <laughs> I will say though, unlike JC's Kitchen, he has a great venue. It's like a, a like a little a doorway basically. The only good falafel in Bath, I would say, controversially, a great eatery if you're going to Bath for the, for the day and um, not that expensive. So yeah. And I underline what Matthew said about the um, samosa. Lovely crispy corners on that samosa, Matthew. Mmm, delicious. <laughs> um, yeah, so JC's Kitchen, if you're listening, uh, consider getting a doorway so I can come buy your meat on tap. But um, It's got a tent. It's got <laughs> a door and a tent. I get the impression that maybe an indoor venue doesn't work for him because of the smoked meat and it creates so much, like, you know... It's smoke inhalation is not good. Interesting. So yeah, it, Interesting. Has to be, it has to be a tent. You don't want to get bust. old chicken lung. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a common um, cause of death in Bath, I believe. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's probably how I'll go. Okay. Hi, gents. Long-time listener, second-time questioner. Love the podcast. Great chemistry between the hosts. Something, something, meat tent. Something, something, Shutakumi versus Yushinaka. Something, something, God in space. Anyway, I really enjoyed the magazine Rivalries podcast with Dan Dawkins. Dan himself is a great speaker. However, his force of personality meant you two didn't get a chance to say much about your own magazine Rivalries. Were there any memorable mag rival moments in your own careers that you feel comfortable discussing? As someone who grew up with Endgamer, the rivalry with O&M felt like quite a Read like quite a big thing, and I'd love to hear more about that if it won't get Matthew sued. Keep up the great work, Balladeer. Yeah, I mean, Matthew, I, I, I feel like Dan, I, I, didn't, I didn't mind Dan hijacking that podcast because he had so many great stories. And um, his, own, his own story about telling me that I don't think anything of Play Magazine was like a key mag rivalry moment for me. But um, what do you yeah. think? What's your uh, answer to this one, Matthew? Yeah, it's it's tricky because obviously O and M were like another future mag, so fundamentally we're all pulling in the same direction. But like there is a there is a rivalry, but also to call it a rivalry is ridiculous because O and M was so far ahead and just the natural place to put anything. It wasn't like we could take them down. You know, we, we very rarely, you know, got a scoop on on anything. So I think we were resigned quite early on to, you know, you can't battle them. You can certainly enjoy it when, you know, you thought they made a bad cover choice or 
there was something naff in there or whatever. And we certainly did, and we'd laugh about it. I mean, for the early years, our rivalry was actually with the Imagine Nintendo Mag more than anything. They had an unofficial Nintendo Mag as well, N Revolution. Mad. Side note. Why the fuck did they name that magazine Revolution when when that magazine launched? The Wii was no longer called Revolution. <laughs> right, okay. it would have made sense if that had still been the name of the Wii, yeah. but they changed it anyway. Um, I guess that's... I guess calling it N Wii is kind of weird as well. It sounds like odd Wii, <laughs> <laughs> which I guess might sum up the experience of working on a Wii magazine. But... <laughs> yeah, that's good. I like that. Um, yes, yeah, so we had a rival with them. I mean, to be honest. Like because there were fewer press trips and things like that, you actually very rarely were in direct contact with anyone from these other mags. I had a horrible early experience in my first six months where I went to a review event and got sat... This was at the, when they were still doing the Wii House, and I actually got sat next to someone from N Revolution, and they were there with... There were two of them from the mag, and one of them was like genuinely rude to me and kept like making jokes about how I was doing in the game that I was playing, which has never happened to me before. I, I won't say who this person is, but they're like, you know, yeah, awful, which was a shame because the rest of the stuff when I met them were really nice. So that's probably my most heated journalism moment. But, you know, to be honest, rather smugly, you know, we were really confident in Endgamer. We really loved what we were making. I still think it was the best Nintendo mag from that era by quite some distance, so I didn't really care about the other mags, to be honest, Uh, which may sound horribly egocentric, but I think you also kind of have to have that mindset to, like, make the mag and make it as good as you can be. If you're constantly worrying, like, "Uh, is it good enough, is it good enough, then it probably isn't. You know, I was was quite happy and confident with how we were with O&M, and, like, fundamentally, you know, you want to be professional. I ended up editing O&M, you know? Like, the worst thing you want to do is slag someone off and then you end up working with them. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, we didn't have any, like, major beefs that flared up apart from that one terrible review event. But that was N Revolution and um, they were soon gone from the picture, so no worries. Uh, that's interesting, because when I got to Imagine, actually, I, th- I don't even know if N Revolution had a team anymore. Simon got moved to... X three sixty maybe I don't remember but it, yeah it wasn't so, so, Simon I don't you know Simon has only ever been a, a really oh, yeah. standard dude whenever I've met him so. yeah Simon Miller that is a very nice guy yeah. and um, and wrestler man maybe we should have him on at some point I think that'd be fun for me I it was weird because I didn't think Play was the best PlayStation magazine when I was working on it I thought that the official mag was um, it was beautifully designed that mag quite far ahead of its time I think in terms of like what a mag looked like in two thousand six two thousand seven um, it had a new section I really liked where it was it kind of just did like a top 10 and that was their news and it was kind of like part interview part newsy stuff i think i like the idea of a new i think the way you have to do news these days in a magazine is like featurey news where you're almost making the news yourself and um interviewing people and stuff or delivering like a you know analysis to things and i liked how they did that for that mag looked great i thought play looked a little bit old hat by comparison and didn't um have much love put into the features and stuff but um yeah, I don't know. Like, I thought it was, but I thought it was about as good as PSN three was at the time. PSW. I, d- I didn't think there was loads in it, um, personally. But the um, yeah. over time, I don't know. On X three sixty, it got a little bit more competitive with Xbox World. I remember like one issue, we started doing making ofs. We did like a four page making of, and then like two issues later, they did like <laughs> like a twelve page making of on Alan Wake, I think. And it was a bit like, oh, okay, they've seen we're doing this, and they're like, oh, we can do a better version. So that's an example of how mag rivalries could work. Um, yeah, yeah. 
we had there was there was one time there was like there's one caption in an early issue of Endgamer which like actively poked fun at a member of staff on a rival magazine, <laughs> which we probably shouldn't have done. It wasn't my doing. I think it was something Greener wrote at the time. I thought it was absolutely hilarious, and if people own a collection, they can probably go back and find it in there somewhere. We got as close to spicy as you can possibly be. That was fun. Funnily enough, that I think the biggest problem I had when I went to O&M was actually nothing to do with the mag. It was like the forums. Because on there, they loved O&M, obviously. And there wasn't like a lot of love for Endgamer. And I felt like there were, there were a couple of people who were like quite actively hostile. And because of that, I kind of took against the forums quite a lot. Like, I didn't really care for the forums. And I think O&M had a much healthier relationship. Like, before our before that time, um, the, the staff had been quite close to the forums. But I, I kind of deliberately tried to cut them off a bit. Which I maybe shouldn't have done in hindsight. But, yeah. So that's it. <laughs> My rivalry was with an entire readership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, apart from that, I don't know, when I was on Games GM, I suppose there was like... Games GM kind of is Edge was its main competitor. I suppose I always kind of envied Edge's access a little bit because they would always be like first on people's lists. So even mm. when I was on PC Gamer, I remember like vying for a Deus Ex uh, Mankind Divided cover. And I think that Square Enix said that like, oh, the devs want to do Edge first. And I was like, okay, well, that just sort of speaks to their standing a little bit. That happened a couple mm. of times. But, um, <laughs> you know, I settled having a Just Cause 3 cover. That was fine. So, um, yeah, yeah, I. I the bits here are there. I feel like it's another of those things where I arrived slightly too late to the party for that stuff to be like a really as like as bitter as it could be, as Dan described it. Like in terms of you know, um, yeah. just much more fiercely competitive and stuff. So I think yeah. that's slightly before my time, and I try to be nice to the stuff I met. You I, know. I think our era is like anyone doing a magazine. You understand like how hard it was. Yeah, and it's just like respect to anyone who can keep a mag running. Yeah, that's how um, I feel about all people who work on magazines. Like, well done yeah. for, for turning up and doing it, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Well, that's a good note to end on then, Matthew. So, as we wrap up, I will say that the podcast, by the time this episode goes out, we would have passed 100,000 downloads, Matthew. And mm. that's in, like, what, nine months? A little bit over nine months, that is. That's like... Mm. And, you know, the podcast has had lots of nice reviews on Apple Podcasts. We get a lot of correspondence through Twitter, past 1,000 followers on there. We get downloaded 3,000 times a week plus at the moment, which is amazing. We found an audience. I just wondered if you had any thoughts, Matthew, on, on where we're at. Oh, well, you know, I'm still really enjoying it. Um, you know, I hope, you know, other people are still enjoying it. I hope people are enjoying the mix of different episodes that we're doing. Like, I think the last couple of months, you know, has sort of shown the like scope and variety i guess of of like what we can do and you know i know that when we chat about it like we've got exciting plans you know for the rest of the year and looking further ahead and you know hope to kind of keep it keep it going for for it hasn't got like a an end date or anything like that you know we still still plan to keep growing it and developing it and hopefully like you know building on some of the community stuff that we've you know we've built up it feels like we've built up a nice little community around it and so to kind of continue building on that and um you know just hopefully keep making fun fun episodes yeah that's how i feel too i mean you know when we started this i was i just i knew matthew was the person to do a podcast with i knew it'd be a it'd be a fun back and forth at the core of it and then i feel like we treated it almost like with a magazine like style of you know thinking about the variety of it and the the stuff that will get people excited and a mix of cool guests and stuff. 
and yeah i am um, it's been really awesome to see it grow so quickly and that's definitely thanks you know partly to um our peers who have come on here like joe helped us find a load of people uh david turner on the computer game show helped find help us find a load of people oh, too um, incidentally uh, i i listened to that i it'll probably be their episode two weeks ago now but there was an episode they had a um an ad reading on it for a for a, a blue yeti mic that is one of the most spectacular things I've heard in a long time. So if you haven't listened to their podcast, do go and check that out. Yep, and um, all that has helped us find a, a, an audience. And so we massively appreciate your support. And uh, yeah, no plans to, uh, to to stop. We'll just um, keep doing it. I'm sure we pro- I think I've got at least another year's worth of ideas sort of swimming around in my head mm. at the moment. We still haven't done best Final Fantasy games, best Star Wars games. Uh, we've got drafts to do. You know, like we've mentioned, we PS Vita. I think we should do a PS One Redux draft, Matthew. I think Ooh. that could be fun. And um, we should do things on like best licensed games. We, we've thought about doing a seven out of ten games episode and stuff like that. So loads and loads we want to do still. Bring, loads of bringing guests. on more guests, matching them to their specialist subjects. Hopefully, digging deeper into stuff which you know we we don't know necessarily know everything about. Mm-hmm. Um, should be fun as well. We've got loads more listeners to kill off in Games Court. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably do another listener Games Court if we get a good response to this episode down the line. Um, <laughs> like I say, it could be the best or worst episode ever made. Only you can decide. But um, <laughs> lots planned down the line, basically. So um, thank you very much for your support. So if you'd like to follow the podcast on Twitter, it's BackPagePod. If you'd like to send us a, a question or a possible future uh, Games Court exhibit so we can discuss that in a future episode backpagegames at gmail.com Matthew where can people find you on Twitter I am at Mr Basil underscore pesto I'm Samuel W Roberts thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week bye for now bye